You're listening to the Solo to CEO podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Solo to CEO podcast, where we provide a mix of powerful, thought-provoking, and practical information to assist you in your transformation from solo to CEO of a high-impact, high-revenue-generating business. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Marjorie DeLima, attorney and managing partner of Fate and DeLima. Fate and DeLima is a family law firm located in Maryland. Welcome, Marjorie. It's so good to have you here on the Solo to CEO podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Great. Um, so I want to start out by um, talking about how your your journey to becoming a lawyer, because one of the things that I noticed, um, you know, you and I've talked about, and and I've noticed in some of my reading and research about you, is that you are you're quite educated. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that had to have been taken a little bit of time um, to do that, and so I'd love to know, like, if it was your intention from the beginning to be a lawyer, or if you, you know, what made you decide to um, take the route that you did to becoming a lawyer? Well, I have a kind of a lengthy past, and I um, actually, when I was a kid, I remember saying to my mom when I grow up, I'm going to be a lawyer. And I think that's just because I heard her say that she wanted to be a lawyer. So I'm not sure where it came from, but um, right. I uh, I was very good in school. However, um, I had an issue with drugs and alcohol and I could not seem to get my undergrad degree. I kept going to school and getting, I got a two-year degree and then I drop out and go back and forth. And I finally got sober and have been sober since. Um, and this was back in 1987. So I was out in Minnesota and I wanted to finish my bachelor's degree. That was the most important thing to me. And I was always mm -hmm. a very good student. So I did finish it in Minnesota and a friend of mine, then I thought, well, now what do I do? Cause I've been waiting tables <laughs> or acting as, you know, receptionist. Like, what do I do with this degree? My friend said, you ought to go to law school. I said, that sounds like a great idea. So I <laughs> applied to law school and I went to law school and at my law school in Minnesota, they had a sister program with St. Thomas University to get your MBA um, kind of uh, along with your law degree, except it was an extra year. And so I went to law school and I went to summer school and night school for my MBA. Wow. Um, and then I decided to move back here where I'm from. And I was always interested in tax law. I had, for some reason, just had a knack for numbers. And, um, and I'm sure you're going to ask me, how did you get in family law? But <laughs> I had a knack <laughs> for numbers and I understood taxes and I always did people's taxes as a favor. And so I went to Georgetown Law for my tax LLM, hoping to work first for the IRS and then go on my own or with a private firm, but it didn't work out that way. Wow. Wow. So that, that, yeah, when I was, when I was reading and about your different degrees and I thought, wow, that is some dedication and hard work to yeah, go to law school and get your MBA at the same time from summer school and night school that <laughs> I'm sure that you were just working around the clock. Pretty much. <laughs> I pretty much yeah. was. 
And then your master's in taxation to follow that. I mean, you know, you, as, as you mentioned, you're a family law attorney and you, you hear a lot of attorneys in general say, but uh, particularly you'll hear a lot of family law attorneys say, oh, you know, I don't do math. That's why right. I do what I do, you know. And um, so it's very interesting that you have this master's in taxation and you've chosen to go into to family law. So tell us well, a little bit more about that. Family law chose me. I did oh. not choose family law. <laughs> I didn't even take it in law school. I had no interest in it whatsoever. When I gra- finally graduated and took the bar exam and I was barred in December 1995 and I was searching for jobs and that's when we had a mini recession and I could not, I couldn't even get my foot in the door. Even with all the education, a little bit of experience, um, they were hiring people only out of Harvard or Stanford, and that's not where I come from. Um, mm-hmm. So I just, I have to hang up a shingle and I don't have money for an office, so I'll work out of my house. So I, right. worked out, I turned part of my house into an office and started work. <laughs> Ran yeah. an ad in the, in the Gazette newspaper that was bigger than any of the other legal ads on purpose, but it cost a lot of money. But that's how <laughs> I got people in the door, plus people I had known and, you know, grown up with. And so I was doing general law at the time. But what came in right. the door was family law, DWI, and bankruptcy. Those are the three that kind of ended up with. I did have a couple of tax cases, but. Interesting. And, you know, that's so uh, interesting when you're talking about, uh, you know, opening an office in your home and everything. At that, it is so common now for lawyers um, to work virtually, to work out yeah. of their home or work out of some other location where clients aren't visiting or that kind of thing. Um, but at the time you did it, it probably wasn't quite as common because we didn't have a lot of the tools to make it easy like we do now. What was that like for you? Did you get a lot of uh, pushback from that from people or judgment from people about opening a, a law practice out of your house? Oh, yeah. I was, I, and this is, I was judged as well, you're, you must not be a very good attorney if you're working at uh, house, like you're not serious. But I also kind of in the back of my head judged other people I knew were working out of their house. So I was <laughs> kind of a hypocrite, like, oh, well, they must not be, you know, very good um, in, uh, if they're working out of their house. So I don't blame people for thinking that. I don't think the clients felt that way. I, I did very well, actually, working yeah. out of my house. It really got me going. Um, I could finally pay all my bills. I could pay, I could, um, I had renters in my basement. I could get rid of the renters. I didn't need rental income anymore. I was um, very self-sufficient and I had to hire someone to help me because I got so busy. So it actually worked out well. I did that for about seven years. And then what, and then what changed? So I had met my current partner, Dorothy Fate. At um, I had heard her name, and just through the grapevine and how she was so good and blah blah blah. And my dad had an altercation with his second wife, and he needed a lawyer. And I sent him to Dorothy. That's the name I knew, and I came with him. So I met her, but she wouldn't let mm-hmm. me sit in and on the on the uh, 
initial consult. <laughs> he said, it's attorney-client privilege. You can't sit here. I'm like, okay, but I'm kind of almost an attorney. But um, um, so then I had, since I had finally met her, I saw her again at one of the CLEs, the Continuing Legal Education Program. She's on the panel. And I approached her and said, you know, I work alone. i kind of in a vacuum. I never had a mentor. I don't know sometimes, you know, answers to questions I have. Would it be all right if I called you if I needed to ask something? She said, absolutely. So I had a case and it was a very wonky kind of issue that I won't bore you with that I was trying to get done about six months earlier than it should have been done in the court. And I asked her out to lunch and um, asked her to read the motions and my strategy. And I think it really impressed her because shortly thereafter, <laughs> she asked me to join her firm. Um, and she had kept telling me, get out of your house, get out of your house, get out of your house. It's not good. Get out of your house. Um, so I joined the firm kind of as of counsel in 2003. Wow. And... Uh, so now you are, it's a family law firm. Um, yeah. And so now you're, you're deep into family law. And what do you guys offer other types of services or is it strictly family law? Um, so I also do um, some wills and estates um, and um, some trusts and, you know, medical directives, that whole package type of uh, mm -hmm. planning. Um, we do domestic violence cases, we do prenups, we do postnups, um, and usually when you get divorced, you should redo your will right away. So yeah. that's the service we That was offer. a natural fit. Yeah, and um, at, other than that, not really. There's not another area that we go into. If, if, if something criminal comes up, we go to a criminal lawyer, because that's best. Criminal lawyer will know more how to deal with the criminal system or something right. civil like suing the business the family business or something like that it depends on how complicated it is we want our clients to have the better representation and it's not always us if it's not family mm -hmm. law mm -hmm. what what now you became a managing partner what was that how did that come about because you so, know in 2003, I came here as of counsel, and we had this deal on, on my pay uh, structure. And in 2006, they were, it was another partner used to be here. They were realizing that this, this pay structure was really benefiting me and not so much them. <laughs> <laughs> um, because they had to pay me sometimes even if their client hadn't paid, if I had worked on the case just like you would pay your associate an, a salary, regardless right. of the, the case they worked on and got paid. So they said, you need to come become a partner. And I kept saying, no, <laughs> I didn't want the responsibility. I was like, no, this is like really good for me. And they're like, no, no, you need to become a partner. And since you have an MBA, you need to run the firm. They weren't running the firm. They didn't really know how to run a firm. Not that I'm going to say to you that I know how to run a firm. I'm so wonderful at it, but I'm trying, you know? Um, yeah. So I said, all right, if I'm going to be managing partner, I'll, I'll become a partner. And um, my assistant at the time, who was my assistant before said, I never saw you work so hard till after you became managing partner. Cause then it was 
you know, everything was my responsibility. <laughs> so, um, and it's just been that way since. And that's not to say I make all the decisions because we make them jointly. There's, I don't right. want to put that because um, sometimes managing partner makes all the decisions. That's not the case here. I'm just, I have yeah. a really, really, really good assistant for the last 10 years who helps me a lot with a lot of the managerial parts of the business. Yeah, yeah. That I I want to get into that a little bit more about your role as managing partner because, um, you know, this is the solo to CEO podcast, and we really focus a lot on the journey that people take from being a solo to that transformation that has to they that they have to go through to really run a firm, um, to be the CEO of their firm, right? And right. when you're when you're a managing partner, it's quite different from, I mean. I'm imagining being a managing partner of this law firm is a lot different from when you were working out of your house and it was just you, right? Oh, the process, the thought processes you have to go through and, and how much you've grown um, as a business person. So tell us about, tell us more about that. Like what are some of the things that you really recognize um, that, the, the skills that you needed to be able to do this and what was that like in the early days when you first started doing this and how do you think you've grown over time? When I was a solo, I didn't really manage my business, so to speak. I practiced law more right. so, and I paid my assistant. That was pretty much the extent of it. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, and Coming in to manage the firm, um, we've never, we're a small firm. We've never been a large firm. Um, but there, there was a very, um, how do I say it? It was a long learning curve for me to really mm. separate managing the business and practicing law as two totally different things. Right. Because I will get, because I have a full caseload just as much as anyone else in the firm. So, um, but somehow I was blending them and that wasn't good. That wasn't right to blend managing the firm and practicing law. And I'm not sure I can articulate it clearly, but um, I finally kind of figured out, okay, this isn't working. Like the business has to be totally separate from the practicing law aspect. So right. pull it out. And um, one thing is, I am good in math. I am good with numbers. My favorite thing is to do a forensic accounting through bank accounts to find money. Um, so I'm, kind of a, I'm pretty much a now nerd, there's a, you know? now there's a hobby for you, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, not in anybody. I mean, in a case, <laughs> just a case. Yeah. Um, yeah. To find, you know, like where'd the money go? And it's particularly fun when there's 20 different accounts. But um, I uh, so with managing the firm it was like okay we need marketing and advertising but we have to figure out what we need and what its payback is i also joined the entrepreneurial organization for chapter of dc which has helped somewhat um mm -hmm. just full of entrepreneurs some of it doesn't apply because i'm not selling widgets you know i'm not in sales but um some of it does um so it's been I also keep the books. I pay the bills. I keep us up on the health insurance. Um, our 401k, I got put in. When I came here, they didn't have any retirement. 
so I created, well, I didn't create the business. I mean, the, the, the law firm that did the 401k helped us create it. And um, so we have a 401k. Um, I put together a, a manual for policies and procedures for the office because there wasn't any. Um, but it was, a, it's a lot, it's just, it's, it's a lot of administrative work, really. And trying to, you know, where are we, so what we've done lately is we're, we want to increase our income and, um, we, we decreased our office space because we had two or three offices that weren't being used and our landlord let us like cut them off from us. And it saved us a ton of money per month. Mm -hmm. And I, myself and my partner have been going through each bank statement saying, okay, where's all the money going? <laughs> where's the expenses going? And um, trying to create a budget. So it, it's, a lot more, it's a lot more work almost on the side. Like I can't do a lot of the work while I'm in the office. I do it at home. Because right. in the office I'm doing my cases mostly. To take a break, I'll actually do some bookkeeping, which is funny but that's like calming <laughs> to me, you know? <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Uh, because most attorneys I talk to, that's like the bane of their existence is any sort of bookkeeping. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things I'm always recommending. The first thing they do is get a bookkeeper. <laughs> well, you know, we did, someone recommended it and, you know, the EO organization and uh, we hired a, a consultant CFO and it just did not work out. And, they said, you have to have a bookkeeper. You have to. So we had a bookkeeper that they recommended, and she really messed things up. Oh, I no. Had, I had automatic payments on things, and she <laughs> closed. It was a mess. I had a, a one vendor, 12 grand, when they got paid, you know, 11 grand, 1100 a month because she didn't pay them for so long because it wasn't on recurring payment, blah, 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 mm -hmm. just that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> my partner. I'm sure. You know. <laughs> I, I'm sure automation really um, helps you a lot too. Like you said, you automate oh, quite a lot of the processes. And, oh yeah, um, I depend upon it greatly. Anything yeah. I can put on recurring, I'm, it's on recurring. Anything I can make automatic, I make automatic. Anything, um, it just makes the the load much lighter. And then we just have software that downloads from our bank. So, right. Um, Tell me about your your uh, your staff, your your team, because it, it appears that you are are you an entirely woman uh, run and woman, you know, is it only women in the in the lawyers in the law firm and staff? It is. It is. I thought that um, was interesting. It, that wasn't purposeful. Like we're not hiring men. That was not <laughs> any time. That was. Not, in fact, I wouldn't mind having a male. <laughs> In the office, but um, so any men listening to this in Maryland, right, <laughs> that need a job as, as an associate, um, yeah. it just turned, it just you know worked out that way. We have had a male, we had a male paralegal for a while, but he took another job in Virginia closer to his home. Um, but I have, uh, there's Dorothy and I, and then we have now we have one associate. We had two, and the other one um, got married, moved to California, which I thought was rude. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, and we have, how dare she get married? I know. How dare you move in California and get married? Um, and we have three paralegals, and one of those paralegals is also my 
assistant, my like right hand person for all the office stuff. Like she mm-hmm. she commandeered this whole move that we did, um, getting rid of the other offices and some of the construction that happened. And then we also right. have a receptionist. So I'm looking for another, and we have a of council associate who's also a professor at Hood College, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you know, my my opportunity to grow is to have another associate. And then we also own a building, a very, you know, one of those row houses in Frederick, Maryland, that we have an office. And I want to get that fully staffed, which means two people, an attorney and a assistant, and have it full-time run. Because right now we just use it kind of as, as a satellite office. That's so you're definitely you're definitely growing. You're you're. I'm hoping to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the plan, right? It's the plan. That's yeah. That's wonderful. Um, so, what are some of the have uh, have you had some? You know, you mentioned the bookkeeping and all that, but what are the biggest issues uh, for any really any small business is when they start hiring staff and expanding and everything like that, you know, finding the right people um, and training people and keeping good people. What are some challenges that you've experienced with your staffing and growth or have you, I mean, has it all been smooth sailing? I wouldn't say it's been smooth sailing. Um, There's been some, Flips along the way, like the male paralegal that was just starting to kind of ramp up to speed and then decided to get another job in uh, mm-hmm. Virginia. Um, we go through some, this is my assist, my assistant handles going through the, a service. How does she do this? Or she goes on, where does she go? I don't even, not even sure where she goes. But she gets some applicants and, and uh, uh, resumes and goes through them. And then she'll come to me and I'll look through them. But resumes don't tell you a lot. They tell you a little bit. And she will interview whoever we've chosen to interview first. And then Dorothy and I will interview them if they're going to come back for a second interview. Um, now, even that, that turned out we hired one paralegal that it turned out she didn't know what a paralegal was when she started working <laughs> with the other paralegals. We had to let her go. But um, we've had the my assistant slash paralegal for 10 years, a second paralegal for, I would say, four or five years, and the third one for going on two years. So they've been really steady right now. Um, our receptionist has that position is kind of hard to keep, but we've had our receptionist for quite a while, but she's in the military and goes on um, active duty every now and then. <laughs> Just, right, right. You know, okay. So, but it is, it is, it's it really, you know, like the woman that we hired and then she was, it was all lies. She didn't know what she was doing. I mean, she didn't know anything she was doing. She just came across well. It's really hard to tell. It's really hard right. to tell. We've also used agencies. They're very expensive. We're a small firm, and they're not always good either. They sent us the guy that dropped out and moved to Virginia. So 
it is difficult. It's difficult to tell. But we also have ways to do background checks now, so we did that. Um, and one of male who was looking for a paralegal job, um, we did a background check, and then he was a registered sex offender. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, we can't hire him. Uh, not in a family law firm. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've encountered. I had a business uh, once where I, I encountered that. And it's not. It's not shocking. It's shocking. Yeah, yeah it is very shocking. <laughs> um. So, uh, you know, and I ask you about that because um, staffing is one of the biggest um, issues that so many small firms um, talk about, you know, struggling to find the right people. And so any, you know, it sounds like your two interview sounds like you're a really good person who does a lot of the um, screening before they get to you. And then you guys, you guys do. um, So you have a key, a key person there in that assistant and paralegal who's been with you for 10 years. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and then you have a good, you know, two interview sort of pro two step interview process plus background checks. And that's kind of helped you pick the right people. Once you have people, um, are you, are you doing any sort of, uh, you know, ongoing training with them or leadership stuff or anything like that? Or, um, as far as ongoing training, I think it's learning. I, I, I believe in law, even in family law, it, I'm learning things all the time. Mm-hmm. This is the, there's always something will come up that I don't know, mm-hmm. or I don't know how to deal with. Or So I think there's training kind of like on the job training. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't done leadership, uh, retreats, but we are planning to do one more of a uh, let's all connect retreat. I don't know if right. that's what you would call it, but team, like a teamwork. Like a team retreat. building kind of thing, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Thank you. Right. I think of the word. <laughs> but um, uh, we're looking into that right now, actually, to do that. Um, and we also require less hours than most firms. So people normally are working 40 hours, not 50, 60, 70, 80 hours. And they have time off and they have they can ask for a personal day. And um, we believe that they they have family and friends, that they have a life, you know. So mm-hmm. I've seen other attorneys I know from other firms stressed out because they can't meet their hours or if they go to a even a legal function, they have to go back to work and make up the hour they missed. Wow. So that I think is very attractive in our firm that we're, we're, I mean, we're not making as much money as those firms, but we don't want to kill our people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And, and you are, uh, you're very, you're a very busy lady. I mean, you're involved in a lot of organizations in addition to managing the firm, doing full caseload, um, you are a mom, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your, your child. How you have one she's, child or? She, yeah. She's 17 years old mm-hmm. going on 35 as all yeah, so you, olds are. <laughs> and yeah. You've gone senior, through the teen years. <laughs> right. She's a senior mm-hmm. in high school. She's big into volleyball. So there's lots of volleyball in my, in my, in your life, <laughs> my routine. Which is fine. I love it. I love the other moms, and it's you know, it's 
it's calming and I used to play volleyball so it's it's fun um and we're doing the college thing the apps right now and the FAFSA and all that fun stuff um narrowed it down to 11 colleges (laughs) oh wow oh wow oh good so you're narrowing it down really nice and tight huh (laughs) I know right um Uh, uh that's exciting that's an exciting time though um yeah it is. How do you how do you um, keep up the level of energy that all of that takes to be on the go? Like, I mean, you're somebody who says it's relaxing to do bookkeeping. So I don't know. Yeah, it's know. it's whole co- it's questionable anyway. What you're going to but <laughs> I'm weird. Well, the thing is, I'm tired all the time. I'm just tired all the time. I always feel a little tired. I I just came from the gym this morning, and I thought the gym was killed me. I mean, I was limping into work today. Um, um, uh, you work I, out regularly though. Well, I'm trying to start getting back into it. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. I need to, and, um, I've got some physical restrictions because of my shoulders and knees that make it really difficult, but mm-hmm. I got it. I don't want to get worse. So mm-hmm. I'll go early in the morning and my daughter leaves early in the morning. She has her own car. So, um, She's, you know, I, I just try to take take it just a day at a time, and I try to just take it sometimes a moment at a time. Sometimes I'll just get up from my desk and walk around, or go outside, or just take a breath. Um, sometimes I don't because I'm in the middle of prepping a trial, and it feels like hurry up, hurry up, hurry up um, with getting the work done. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just. You know, like she had a game last night, but it was at 6.30. That was easy to get to. Yeah. Came, I went right after court. So I usually bring my dinner because <laughs> I'm hungry. So, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, I do feel tired all the time. I do. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't bustle around like this bundle of energy. Kind of just like, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, I know that you uh, you've run some. You were a runner at one point, right? I was. My <laughs> did you run out. some marathons? I did. I ran two of them. I actually ran three of them, but the first one wasn't a. Um, it, it was twenty six point two mile practice run. So uh, for the Marine Corps marathon, that was oh. back in oh six and oh seven. So um, my knee now is just a mess. So I can't run anymore, which is a problem, which is why now I've gone back to trying to go to the gym to try to get. Right. Right. So you you um, are a very driven and ambitious you know, person. You're, you're driven to achieve and to accomplish, obviously, from all the things you've done, because there's a there's a whole lot of stuff, too, that you've done <clears throat> in participating in professional organizations and yeah. community organizations and things like that. What is it that you, what drives you to achieve, to accomplish? In one way, I feel like I'll never have enough time in my lifetime to do everything I want to do mm-hmm. or to get good at things. And to get good at things, you need to do them, practice them, or to be a part of something. And so joining these committees or working on these committees or being on the section law Council for the State of Maryland for Family Law section um, mm-hmm. was to work with people and team build for myself, just for myself. 
uh, not for them necessarily, um, just to be a part of something. And um, I don't, I mean, I can't say I don't like sitting around and watching TV. I like that too. <laughs> but, um, you know, I like people. I like to be around people to a certain extent. I also like my alone time. But what drives me to achieve, I, I, I'm not, I'm satisfied where I'm at, but I can do more. And so I'm going to try to do more. Because it I am satisfied. Yeah. It doesn't sound like you are that you are um, um, <clears throat> that you really think of yourself as a high achiever or somebody I who's don't. always but but, but <laughs> I you know don't. when yeah when we're sitting here looking at all that you've accomplished and you know all the degrees you have and the marathon running and and the participation um, in professional organizations in the community and being a managing partner and being a, having a full caseload as an attorney and, and having a teenager, you know, um, so my to my other people, I, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's high, that's a lot of achievement. Well, thank you. My partner and I also wrote a book. Oh, wow. On, on Amazon. Um, oh, what, what is that book? Divorce in Maryland. <laughs> ah. Of course it's divorce in Maryland. Um, <laughs> that's wonderful yeah that was so, fun yeah that was, yeah how is it working how is that working on that to get how is it writing it together i would imagine like i'm a we, writer so we, I, we I, just, I i don't know how i would do writing as a team you know well what we did um well the publisher wanted it a certain way because they have a book divorce in every state so divorce mm -hmm. in nebraska divorce in you know South Carolina, divorce in Maryland. So they have their own sort of um, protocol and setup. And mm -hmm. then you write about what it is in Maryland. And it's kind of based on the FAQ basis. So we just split it up. Like she took mm -hmm. the, the last half or I took the last half and she took the first part. Whatever the question, you know, whatever the, not so, so much the questions because we could write those as well, but just the topic. Right. So we just split up the topics and then we reviewed each other's to make it so that they were similar writing style. Cause we have a little bit of a different writing style. So, um, right. and now it needs to be updated because the laws have changed. <laughs> we're not <laughs> sure how to do that, but it was fun. It was, yeah, yeah that felt yeah. good. What do you think the key to, we're, we're almost uh, out of time here. We're going to wrap up in a minute, but before we do, I want to, um, <clears throat> maybe share uh, with some of the you know audience listening to this podcast, you were on the solo to CEO journey and maybe a little behind you on the journey. I, I'd love it if you'd share some, you know, maybe lessons you've learned it, along the way or, you know, something that you think may have been the key to the success of your firm so far. Um, things like that. What do you, what comes to mind? Um, First is to delegate, absolutely delegate work that you can give to someone else to free up your time. Second is mm -hmm. to um, go to the expert if you don't know something like you had said before, lawyers don't like to do bookkeeping, so they hire a bookkeeper. I just happen to like it. So. Right. But, um, um, and to um, absolutely network 
And uh, network sometimes isn't only with other people in your line of business. It can be like with other people in other businesses that are indirectly related or not related, mm -hmm. like entrepreneurial organization, which is all types of businesses, um, just to learn uh, from other people. And don't be afraid to join committees and clubs because if you think you don't I always felt like I don't belong. And I was like, well, I'm going anyway because they can tell me I don't belong and I'll, I'll um, I belong, you know, <laughs> so I'm right. Oh, if that makes any sense, it's just self-doubt. And you have to talk yourself out of that self-doubt because everyone's got it. Um, right. But I would say um, definitely and have compassion. Um, that's how I feel our firm is, very compassionate for the clients and our, and our employees. Um, and... Delegating is, I mean, I can't tell you what a great thing that is because I think <laughs> a lot of CEOs or um, what have you are just kind of like, if you want to get it done right, do it yourself. And there's something to that, but I can't do everything. So having my right. assistant and having my paralegal and having people help me so that I can do other things. And, you know, I went to a marketing expert and we hired a marketing expert. And we went to, you know, who helped us with our website. I can't create a website. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> so right. You really just employ the people that are smarter than you in that issue or that way. Right. Right. Great advice. Great advice. Uh, well, I really appreciate you being here. And Thanks. I enjoyed so much our conversation. So tell us how we can find you on the interwebs you mentioned a website where else can we find you give us the web address and, and tell us where else we the, can find you the web address is f as in frank or fate d as in delima familylaw.com great great and do you do very much social media are you on are, are you yeah, guys on we're social on, media? Uh, i see now here's where i don't know very well very much about social media i mean i'm on it kind of but i pay other people to do it <laughs> so <laughs> i know we're on facebook and i know we're on linkedin and i know we're on i think we're on instagram but i'm not positive positive. and i know i sound mm -hmm. silly that i don't know but i've got someone else handling that i mean for example i have someone that i went to law school with writing my blogs and my newsletters because I have no time to do that. Right. You know, I just don't have time and I don't have an interest to do it actually. So, and she's excellent. So, and she got an award for it in the blog industry for writing our blogs. It's crazy. Wow. Um, so I have to like check with her, like, where are we again? <laughs> I can't keep up with everything all the time, but I'm pretty yeah, sure I, I know it. I, I, I love, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I love that you have, uh, um, that you talk about really the thing, knowing really clearly what you like and what you don't like. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not just a matter of outsourcing things, outsourcing everything. I mean, like with you, you, you like the bookkeeping, so you keep that, but you outsource the things that you don't like and you know right. yourself well enough to say, yeah, I could probably do it, but why? <laughs> and I don't have time. Like it was, yeah. it's not something I would want to try to make time for. Right. A better way to say it. Cause I yeah. don't, I don't, you know, I like to write, I would love to write a fiction novel or 
Somebody said I should write a um, autobiography, but I don't think it would sell. <laughs> but uh, um, I just, yeah, I I outsource everything I can that I don't want to do. Right. Give me time. Right. I'd rather do what I want to do in this business and enjoy what I can because family law is very difficult, very hard. It's very emotional. It's very stressful. It's very frustrating. So... I need to have something that I like, you know, right. something to look, you know, to make it kind of worth it to me. If that makes right, sense. right. You might Absolutely. want to cut that. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I do appreciate though what you're saying. I think that that absolutely makes a lot of sense. Um, so I do thank you for being here, and thank you uh, I for think having you shared me. so much great insight into. Um, what it's like to go from solo to managing partner and um, and you shared a lot of great advice for our listeners so I really appreciate it and of course I've enjoyed listening to your story and having this conversation so thanks again thank you the solo to CEO podcast is sponsored by D Frederick media and marketing and the solo to CEO system We help professional women entrepreneurs transform from solos to CEOs of high-impact, high-revenue-generating businesses while reclaiming their time and creating the lifestyle of their dreams. If you are ready to skyrocket your revenue, cultivate a crackerjack team, and set up systems and automation to get your firm running like a well-oiled machine so you can focus on the highest and best use of your time, then you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Six Shifts to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at law.solotoceo.biz webinar.